0: Welcome to the small business sessions from Enterprise Nation powered by 0 We're a podcast packed with inspiration from entrepreneurs who've been there and done it and advice from experts on the topics you need to know to start and grow a brilliant business. Head to enterprisenation.com forward slash podcast for more information. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Welcome to the Small Business Sessions from Enterprise Nation Powered by Zero. My name's Dan Martin, head of content at Enterprise Nation. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. And I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Ed Hollands, founder of Driven Media, and Jenny Campbell, who I'm sure lots of you will recognize from BBC TV's Dragon's Den. Thank you so much for joining us, both of you. Thank you. So to kick off with Ed before we get on to the den, do you want us to tell us a bit about, about Driven Media? Yeah,
1: so Driven Media is effectively a truck advertising firm. So we take commercial trucks that already travel in the country. And basically take the hauliers branding off and put a a third party advertiser on it. Um, for hauliers, they save money, they earn money and they get free telematics. and for brands, they reach a space that they can't reach you know through traditional means. Um, and we try to bring a level of accountability, so you've got to do a minimum drive time, um, social media, sort of sharing it, spotted photos, GPS tracking, all that kind of stuff.
0: So where, where did this idea come from? Quite an unusual idea, simple but unusual, but the best ideas often are. So where, where did you have this idea from?
1: Just from walking down a road and I saw a couple of trucks stuck at the lights, completely blank white. And I thought, you know, they had a queue of cars behind them, and if I thought if I had a business, that's where I'd be advertising.
0: Um, so once you had that idea, how, how did you take it from
1: that idea to actually doing it, putting it into action? Thursday, I just sat on the, on the side of the road, taking down truck numbers, Right. Okay. Uh, spent the next day phoning them up and ended up with about 150 trucks that we could use, uh, of which a awful lot of them are still with us. Really? Um, and then I thought that was hard. <laughs> Let's try and sell them. And that was, turned out to be a lot harder. Really? So, so the, actually, yeah, getting the ads done and all of that
0: kind of stuff, because I'm guessing you didn't have any experience in advertising or running a business at all, did you? So how did you go about doing that?
1: Uh, well, to be honest, I just kind of asked my hauliers, how do you change the curtains? And through their suppliers, I spoke to them, found out how it worked, and kind of had a, had a map of how I would do it. And then we won our first campaign. It turned out to be nothing like I thought it would be. <laughs> right. Really? In what sense? Why, why was that? Just the way it worked, like the logistics. Of, you know, hauliers don't want to leave lose their trailers for ages. And I was thinking, oh, they'd go to our supplier, they'd get the curtains taken off, they'd get the new ones put on. That just wasn't work, because they just... There's no way they could spare the trailer, spare a driver, or pay for the fuel to get it up there. So that's where it thought of, okay, we'll have to go to the hall here. And some of them have garages, some of them don't. So, we, you know, sometimes we end up with doing sort of five, six installations. And when it's booked, I've got no idea who's fitting it because we've got to go and find the person mm. who can fit curtains. And I mean, we normally bring the vinyl installers with us, um, but it's, it's a lot of juggling.
0: Mm. So, Ed, before you got the funding from Jelly on Dragon's Den, how were you paying for all this? How were you financing the business?
1: from a young age i've always wanted to run my own business so i every time i worked somewhere i'd have a savings pot that i couldn't touch and when i got to the end of uni i kind of accessed what i could and put that in the business and then over the course of 12 18 months i basically put the same in just to support the business and keep it keep it moving because it's it's a long journey from having this idea to convincing someone that you're the right person to do it convincing the haulier as well that i can be trusted i'm not going to ruin their truck mm. Um, and kind of getting them to work. Yeah, exactly. So at what point did you decide it was time to go in the den? And why did you decide it was time to go in the den? Just someone said, you've, the problem you've got is exposure. When you think of advertising, that you know, if you'd have given me 100 answers and never have, say, truck. Yeah. So you've got to get out there, get on a national platform and shout it. Um, and hopefully enough people will come to you and say, oh, that's a really good idea, mm. which is basically what happened. Exactly. You.
0: So Jenny, bringing you into the conversation now, so when Ed first walked into the room and pitched, what were your initial thoughts on on the business idea?
2: I think uh, first and foremost, I look at the individual. So here's a young man who walks into the den looking petrified, as most of them do. Um, I've invested in young people probably since uh, around about 2010 when I bought my own business out of um, Royal Bank of Scotland. And I've always had a leaning towards helping young people to be even better than they think they can do so i guess ed fitted that profile for a start when he walked it walked through the door looking quite young and fairly nervous and then as he pitched the business idea i thought actually this is this is actually really simple despite all the of- complex you know moving parts of it and it reminded me a bit of my business I think I actually said it um on the tv in that my business of cash machines were metal boxes which had branding on them it happened to be my branding but we did play around with whether to put advertising on it and to me this is the same thing it's just moving metal boxes they're moving billboards that you need advertising on so you you only um, have two parts of the business model, you know, a willing advertiser, a brand, a high street brand, a commercial player, whatever. Uh, and then you need fleets of trucks to be able to pair them up. You know, and there's always plenty of money in advertising. It's just convincing those potential customers that this is a moving billboard, which gets X number of views. And, and that's where it also came over in Ed's pitch, how he could give the um, potential customers data showing them you know, where their tr- where the trucks are. How many views they're getting, and so it's much more intelligent, really, than walking out of a railway station and seeing a static billboard when you don't really know how many people have looked at it and what has happened as a result. So mm. it's bread and butter stuff, really. And I saw the opportunity to use my network of um, potential customers and Ed's expertise. There's a business there that he started. It's about eighteen months old, but you know, there's not many, not too much competition in the space either. So it was at a nice stage to just, you know, get involved and help him to accelerate it.
0: Mm. We obviously only see like a tiny proportion of on TV and what happens on the actual show. Like I've spoke to several Dragon's Den investees, pitchers, and they say, oh, no, no, it goes on for two hours, three hours. So what was it like the full pitch? What what sort of questions were coming back? You know, the what was it like in the den, both of you during that couple of hours? How long did it last? Was it two hours?
1: It was just short two hours for me, but it did, right. it felt like 10 minutes because I went in first thing in the morning. I walked out going, why am I hungry? And they were like, it's 20 to 12. That's why you're hungry, been <laughs> <laughs> there for like two hours. Right. Um, but there's so much going on as I, I was so trying to earn. I wasn't really, you know, I didn't think I'd get an investment. I was trying to get nuggets of knowledge that I could use to grow the business. Mm. But I walked out there, go pretty much remembered five things. You know, Peter said I was too young, so I was quite determined to prove him wrong. Deborah said I got my numbers wrong, which, yeah, I, I knew what the potential is, but I, I had completely overlooked that they wanted to know the actual figures. Yeah. Uh, she, which are still learning. He's, numbers and data is critical to run a business. Um, Tage said if it ever failed, he'd offer me a job. Mm. That's a good backup, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> and then obviously Jenny invested, and then Tuka tried to bring me to London, um, but I was quite, quite happy in Derby and still in the Midlands right. now. Did Tuca offer an office? And a, that's what he was offered, isn't it? Yeah,
0: he? He was an office and a team and a, a website developer. Jenny, what are your thoughts on? Because it's when we we all watch it and n- the numbers thing comes up all the time and, and we have like enterprise nation members who review the episodes for us and that, to pull out lessons and one of the lessons is always know your numbers mm. and is it do you think it is the nervous about being in there or not nothing you know against ed but is it generally small business owners are not great at understanding the numbers
2: well it's one of two things and it? it's either what you said that a small business owners particularly at the early start of the journey They are more in the concept and bringing the idea to market and so on. And they're not at the stage where they have to get to, which is understanding, are they making money from this? You know, I think you get a bit starry-eyed around, oh, I've sold this many and I'm doing this much business. Yes, but are you making any money? And do you have any cash in the bank? So there's that early stage sort of um, learning learning stages and naivety in, in a way versus Genuinely, I do see quite a lot of times the just the blank expression as it, it's hugely pressurized in that den. You know, I, I can only empathize with those uh, uh, entrepreneurs either coming out alone like Ed or coming in twos or threes and then facing these five chairs, uh, five people in chairs and a very warm, uh, environment, sterile environment. And I think their minds go blank sometimes, especially the more you get interrogated. I think, and, and maybe you give a slightly wrong answer somewhere, and then you wind yourself into a bit of a hole as well. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, we get we get there in the end. And I think even if you don't know your numbers, you can get as an as an investor, I can get beyond that by understanding the bigger the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, we want we would like to know the numbers, but. Yeah makes good tv if they don't doesn't it i
0: was just about to say that it does make good tv maybe we could all see the full two hour edits one yes. day they'll
1: be leaked um well, I, th- I think that's the thing is just because they made an offer in the den then you've got to go through diligence so everything i've said i've got to back up if numbers have to stack up and that's if i don't know my numbers in the den that's where you'll see them um and you know the, the detail you go to is what you should walk in there with mm. but you know I, i'd not raised before so i didn't know quite know the level of detail but it needed to go to, so I'd done the basics. It was just bringing it up to that sort of level.
0: Does the BBC give any sort of tips and advice on what you should prepare before you go in, or are you on your own from that perspective?
1: There's sort of twelve areas you have to do, right? Um, and they they all want you to get a deal mm. because ultimately that that's what makes good TV is someone you know, beating the odds getting a deal. Mm. Um, but you know, it's up to you whether you listen to them. Uh, you know, originally I was going to try and walk in for 10 percent for a hundred thousand, mm. which I think I'd have been laughed out there in about 10 minutes. <laughs> so you've, you've got to understand, take on the advice. And that's what I kind of did is what do I want to walk out with about 20% equity stake? And I kind of need about 30 grand to get me there. Mm. So I need to kind of come in, you know, a bit lower than that because there's some wiggle room. Because mm. uh, if I go in at 20% and they push me up, then I'm out, can't, can't do it.
0: You've got to talk to the wall and all that, haven't you? you got, got to have that moment. I don't know. That's what I
1: was doing. I thought I waited a, lot it, a little bit longer than I did.
0: <laughs> I'm just coming out with all the Dragon's you know, Den features. You touched there about valuation. Jenny, that is, again, another thing that often people struggle with. What are your general tips for valuing a business, not just in the Dragon's Den investor environment, but in you know, off-TV investor environments?
2: Well, um, you know, a a, a business is worth what someone will pay for it. It's Mm. like your house. It depends what the market's like, what the competition's like, what the future of that business is like. So there's a lot of variables in there. But generally, you will be in some sort of range. You know, it's either worth you know something around two hundred thousand or it's worth two million. Mm. But you know, there's quite a variable there. Mm. And so, accountancy-wise, you, you would take the turnover figure or a profit figure and put a multiple on it. That's what generally you're paying for. You're paying for future years' revenues um, that are already embedded in the business. But over the, over the top of that, you believe you can grow it. And so, therefore, it's worth paying for those two or three years' revenues or, or a profit because you can improve, improve them. I think, you know, I smile when the, invest, when the entrepreneurs come in with their wacky valuations because, there's a certain amount of, well, I would probably do that as well, as long as it's not so ridiculous, it's, you know, pointless, because you're only going, the dragons are only going to beat them down from there. Yeah. So there's a bit of gameplay, you know, they've got to start high to be able to come down, um, but they've got to want to negotiate as well because there's nothing worse than them sticking to that and not being prepared to negotiate at all. You know, we're very quickly turned off by that. So it's a balance between the negotiation and just freezing us out in the first place by being, you know stubborn
0: yeah exactly so you got the deal jenny said she's in what happens after that because like you say you know it's not just what happens on the show then then there's the due diligence that had to happen so what do you want to talk us through what happens after the yeah, tv so,
1: yeah so on the day it was you know i was the first of probably two three you know that are pitching for that morning session so you're trying to take an off and well not locked in a room but you, you can't really go anywhere because the other entrepreneurs can't know you've got a deal you're on your own basically and, I couldn't talk to anyone about Dragon's Den, uh, you know, the, the, I rang Tara, she picked up. Graham, the other investor, he just couldn't get hold of him and, you know, everyone else that knew what was going to Dragon's Den just wouldn't pick up, so you can't sit down, you can't work, you're just too jumpy and then you obviously you get taken to see Jenny and I got some lunch and then shipped off back back down to Nottingham. Um, and then just waiting for Jenny's team to get in touch to go through what Jenny needs to see from us. Mm. Um, Managed to get through all the due diligence and get the deal sorted, and then Jenny's on board.
2: There's a very intense period of due diligence yeah. be afterwards. that has to be. So my commercial director w- uh, watch, watches that whole film back, the whole two hours, right? Okay. And, and ticks off everything that he said and checks it for reality. Um, then he pulls in your documents, your shareholders' agreements, your accounts, and so on. And we just checked everything as it should be. We check what the market is, whether we believe we can grow this business. So there's, you know, the den investment is effectively a handshake, but there's still probably two to three months worth of work before the ink goes on the paper and the cash goes in the bank.
0: Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So how often do you see each other? Like how involved, because I hear different stories on Dragon's Den, you know, how involved investors are. But you two, from what I see on social media, you seem to talk to each other
1: quite often. We meet quite often. We've got, we've got a WhatsApp group, which is where we share sort of news as it's happening. Right. And then we try and meet quarterly for a board meeting or just a general catch-up.
2: I mean, I was very clear um, from the beginning that I wanted to be hands-on with my businesses. Regularity as and when they need it, but I would be hands-on myself. Not everybody operates that way, you know, if they've got a lot more businesses or other businesses and teams behind them, then they'll have a different model than that. And, you know, maybe I would have done it if I was still running my own business, but I just sold my business the previous year, mm. free agent, and wanted to get my hands dirty on mm. things. So yeah. this is the stuff I love. So, yeah. yeah, when I invest, you get me.
0: Yeah, which is great is that what you, like you said you invested in how many is it invested in? I invested
2: on uh eight over two series right okay and
0: then we go into due diligence
2: and yeah. a smaller number than that actually make it through due diligence
0: right but the ones you are now with are you, yeah. a similar level of in, involvement yeah absolutely of
2: course yeah. i would always want to do a quarterly board meeting and mm. we have you know i see the management accounts every month and we have telephone calls and and whatsapp conversations mm. and and i like to support all of them on social media platforms i'm always retweeting their mm. stuff and Ed's got an interesting little advertising campaign running on some of his lorries at the moment, which might
0: have my face on them. I've seen
1: that, yes. Yeah. yes. yes. 14, it's ever-growing. <laughs> Great, the hauliers love it. Oh, yeah,
0: use your dra- use the Dragon's Dead brand. You've got to use I that. I think that's and called your Where's Jenny? <laughs> yes are people spotting jenny around the uk there's a few we need a need a few more so if you do see one of Jenny's, okay. let us know all right let us know if you're listening on this podcast you've seen jenny on a truck yeah let, let us know <laughs> yeah so what? you weren't dreaming <laughs> so ed so far what what have you sort of learned from as well as the money obviously what have you learned from jenny what sort of advice what benefits advice has jenny provided you that you maybe changed the way you're doing things how you've improved the business
1: um, I think there's sort of several key areas um sort of who you get around you the the sort of supporting team so obviously you've got Jenny and Graham, who are my investors, but also accountant, lawyer, and a few other people banking, so you've got the support ready to for you to scale and grow uh, and and the processes et cetera you know being have you know a process that you can hand to someone if you're busy and they can just follow it from one to ten and get the same result is invaluable because. At some point, I'm going to have to step back and let someone manage sales, someone manage production, you know, someone do the counts, and it's all got to work. And I've got to be able to check in on it at any point and know, you know, it's it's going the right direction. There's no, there's very few mistakes.
0: Mm, exactly, um, Jenny. Obviously, like you said, you sold your business just before you joined the Den, but you've got quite an interesting business story because you you bought you bought the business out, didn't you, from RBS, and then turned it around and resold it. Do you want to tell us a bit about that experience? Like, Because you were in RBS for... Yeah, I've, I had years. 30
2: plus years um, in NatWest and then RBS. Loved my banking career until the wheels span off in 2008. And uh, I wasn't very proud to call myself a banker at that stage. And I happened to be running a subsidiary of theirs, which is a cash machine division. Uh, I was asked to sell the business because it's no longer a core asset, And that's... I've never sold a business before, but put the right people around you, accountants and lawyers. And I learned that trade for a year, didn't find a buyer that matched what the bank wanted. And and then a light bulb moment where I thought, well, maybe I'm enjoying this more than I would be if I went back to, you know, an ivory tower in the city of London, as I called it. So, yeah, we managed to get that deal together and bought it in two I've been running it since 2006. And then I ran it for another six years um, until I decided at the 10-year point it was broadly about time for it to go back into a big corporate that could give it more financial support technology support etc which is what it needed in that payment services uh, business plus i wanted to go and do other things as well um like i'm doing now we found a nice exit for the business which kept everybody's jobs in the same location so that was nice mm. um and yeah and so i came out of that and had no idea dragon's den was going to come along but i'd always been a fan of it since it started right. and given the opportunity to join it i went for a screen test and and there we are. Yeah. I landed in the chair. <laughs> yeah.
0: what, what, what did you learn from your experience then as an entrepreneur that you've um sort of so Throughout that to...
2: 10 years, I think first, first of all, I realized how much I had learned in the bank um, across sales, operations, risk management, financial management, budgetary control, all of those. I realized when I went into that business that needed a vast amount of turnaround work because it had come from a startup in 2000 something that was bought by rbs in 2004 uh and it was internally it was in a huge mess and we had to kind of just roll our sleeves up and i call it corporatize it because it needs processes and policies and procedures to be able to run every day otherwise it's crazy um and you can't deliver the products and services to the customers um properly so we had you know so i realized that all the skills i'd learned i was able to apply to this small business which i did so i called it the sort of repair stage and then It needed reinventing because it was in a declining market. So we needed to change some things in how the business operated. Um, I'd also been very comfortable. I'd I'd learned how to manage people and manage large teams. And so that was a skill I brought with me. So I would say thank you to, you know, my banking career. I was able to take that into a business and apply all of those disciplines and then use all my financial knowledge to, you know, get some finance to buy it and, and that sort of thing. And then, you know, having run the business and exited it, I could then, you know, banker turned entrepreneur. I could use all those skills to take into multiple businesses now. So hence, you know, Ed's business and my other businesses I got from the den. You're applying the same principles, really. I usually start from a financial perspective because that's my core. So I always say to my dem businesses, who do you bank with? Have you got a relationship manager? Have you got some facilities? Because you need money to grow. And usually they've got some n- non named contact at a bank and no facilities. And we start from there. I move them to uh, you know my my banker. They have a name. They get an overdraft facility. You know, and that pressure is off. And, mm-hmm. and other businesses, you know, take them into invoice discounting facilities, etc. So you need money to grow. Yeah. You know, if you haven't got cash, you can't grow. So that's the first thing I start with. And then we start looking about how to grow sales and, and how to deliver those sales, which is important as
1: well. Profitably as well. No Profitably point. good. To as well trained. <laughs> no point. I
2: doing business with uh, that doesn't really make you any money. Sometimes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just look. It's, it's, it's the processes. It's having the process to go. Yeah, we can do that one. No, that doesn't make money, so we don't want to even mm. attempt it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's good. It's good. Um, Jenny, what are your thoughts generally on the UK as a, as a place to start a business? Is there enough support out there? Um, maybe is the government doing enough? Should the government do less and let the private sector do more? What are your thoughts on Britain as a good place for startups? Yeah,
2: so um, I've kind of seen, this, seen the scene change in the UK um, for young people in that, you know, when I was at school and I didn't go to university, I went straight into work at 16, but at that time it was sort of some went and some didn't, and it was that was fine. But then as my own children have grown up, we had this huge push to send everybody to university even if they didn't know what they wanted to do um, uh, and and that bothered me really when my boys were teenagers because certainly one of them probably didn't need to go to university needed to get into work but equally I saw um, that at that time around about 2010 the corporates were still recruiting graduates and you know which university and which degree and all of this sort of things so you were having to tick those boxes whereas since then certainly you know I think this is a a positive output from the recession you know we've really seen uk entrepreneurship come back and it is okay to leave school at 16 18 and go into work and there are apprenticeship programs and there are entrepreneur programs ed and i've just come from the natwest entrepreneurial hub at angel in london where he has a desk and i have a desk and he's also on the same program in birmingham so and there's all lots of those entrepreneur you know startup programs that you know you can get help on how to set up and and run a business, sort of 18-month supported programs. So I think there's an awful lot of help out there. And also I believe I think youngsters more than ever want to be their own bosses. The world has changed from wanting a 30- or 40 year career. I've seen seen that. Um, However, I also say when I'm doing keynotes from the stage that I think a lot of these youngsters who want to be an entrepreneur, that's sort of code language for I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30. And it doesn't happen like that. It's a very lonely place. Not all of you will make it. It's a bit like wanting to be, you know, Ronaldo. Not all of you are going to make it. And I actually think some of these youngsters ought to go to work first and probably go to work in a a small and medium business where they will learn how a business works. You know, when I had my cash machine business, I brought both my boys into the business for 12 months each. And uh, they worked in sales and operations and finance so they could see what makes a business work. Because just going and setting up your own business age 18 19 20 you don't know where to start and you'll never get the opportunity to do that again probably unless you have a failure and then you go into work and that's quite tough doing it that way around Mm -hmm. i would say go go to work and get some money behind you and then start to develop your idea in your own time and when you really got something that you know will work then you can leave work and leave paid work and go then get your business going Mm.
0: So, Ed,
1: what's your plans? Millionaire by the time you're 30? Or uh, what's, what's what's
0: your vision for, for Driven Media? Uh,
1: I'd like to set up a group of companies. But, again, I think it depends on... Because you, you never know how you're going to feel when you get to the other end. Um, you know, if I'm enjoying it, then I'd love to stay with it and, you know, develop other strands. But if it's kind of got to the point where I'm not the right person for it, it might need selling or someone else to sit in that seat so I can go off and do the other things and not have to run it. Mm, that's, it's good
0: that you're recognizing that now one of the other big subjects and it's, it's something else we're discussing on this series and it's very topical at the moment in in our community is sort of mental health and well-being of founders and how you're managing work. it used to be called work-life balance and so how do you do that because it is all-encompassing and it can take over your life so how do you make sure that you've got a
1: balance or is it is it your life is it is it, it is your business so yeah i think my business is my baby tara is my uh now wife understands that we have a sort of a rule in our house so I'll get up at 6 and I work till 6 if I'm working beyond 6 it has to be either something that is really important that can't wait something that's going to make lots of money or <laughs> it just Tara is going to basically take my laptop and hide it somewhere right. and we'll do something together which is great because a lot of a lot of people don't have that they don't know when to stop because there's a point where you're just working just being busy and there's no point doing that you're not being productive and i think when I got into the hub is that it's the community that they work with you they can they they'll spot when you're having a bad day or a good day and they'll they'll try and help you get out of that funk
0: mm-hmm. and Jenny just finally can I ask what, why did you decide you wanted to leave the den okay so
2: after two series I got um you know eight potential businesses And as I said earlier on, when I invest in businesses, I invest in businesses personally. So you've got me personally. With eight businesses plus some other projects and charitable work I'm doing outside of that, I really didn't want to have 16 businesses and spread myself too thinly. And so, hand on heart, I couldn't look at entrepreneurs coming through the doors and think, I want another one, I want another one, I want another one. I didn't want another one at that stage. So, two series was enough for me so I can concentrate on those businesses that I'm working with and my charitable work with Princess Trust which is important to me. That's about helping disadvantaged young people to get into long-term work. So I work with them. And uh, do you know what? Taking a bit of time out for home and dogs and family and that sort of thing, which is important to me. I've worked um, worked 40 years since I was 16. Um, And so I want my portfolio to be the right balance of things now, sort of that work-life balance that we were talking about. I'm still very busy, but in a portfolio of things that don't drive me to an office every day.
0: Yeah. Or a TV studio, yeah. or a TV studio, and just I don't say it was finally, but you're watching. Have you seen the new series? What do you think of the new no, dragon? I I, oh.
2: I I, haven't, and I never used to watch myself either. <laughs> okay, and it's funny, there's a bit you hear film stars like say that when they're walking up the red carpet yeah. to watch a premiere, they've not watched the film themselves, yeah. so it's a bit weird watching yourself, you're highly critical, yeah. So, probably best not to, right.
0: But, well, we're we all still watching. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for joining us. I love this investee-investor relationship. It's really good to see, particularly on when you've seen it on TV. But wish all the very best for the business and you too, Jenny. Ed and Jenny, thanks for joining us on the Small Business Sessions. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. You've been listening to the Small Business Sessions for Enterprise Nation, powered by Zero. For more information, visit enterprisenation.com forward slash podcast And big thanks to podcast production company PodRafi for producing this podcast. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. And we'll see you next time.